Hello and welcome to the Qubit Guy podcast, brought to you by Classic, the quantum algorithm design company. My name is Yuval, and my guest today is Faisal Khan, an academic researcher turned CEO of Dark Star Quantum Lab. Faisal and I discuss random numbers as a service, water conservation using quantum technology, the competitive quantum gaps in the US, and much more. We hope you enjoy this episode. Please let us know how we did by emailing hello at classic.io. That's hello at classic.io. Hello, Faisal, and thanks for joining me today. Hello, Yuval. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So who are you and what do you do? Uh, yeah, so, so I am, uh, my, my name, full name is Faisal Shah Khan. I am the interim CEO of a startup company in the quantum ecosystem. The company's name is Dark Star Quantum Lab. Um, prior to that, I was an academic, actually. I was working in the academic field uh, for about 10 years, and I was uh, in Abu Dhabi at that time. I am back in the U.S. now, uh, you know, leading this company towards, uh, you know, product roadmaps and, and uh, you know, some, some providing some thought leadership in terms of where quantum technologies today, you know, as they're available commercially, can be applied and, and uh, you know, a benefit can be gained. Is there a particular area that Dark Star focuses on? By the way, where does Dark Star come from? Uh, yes, that's a, that's a question, uh, you know, uh, we've been asked several times. Uh, so the, the information I have on that is that uh, the the co-founder, the original founder, I guess you could say, of Dark Star uh, is David Wilkinson. And I think, uh, actually, no, I know for a fact that he, he was motivated just by, you know, black holes. You know, the Dark Star is just another name for, for a black hole. Now, after the fact, uh, I've been informed that uh, apparently there's a song, I, I want to say it's by Beatles or, or some, some group around about that time period. Uh, you know, a song that's titled Dark Star. And apparently there's also a sci-fi science fiction movie from the 80s, if I remember correctly, also by the same title. <laughs> so um, that's, of course, you know, good to know. We, you know, we, we picked up on something that's, uh, you know, obviously a, a cultural phenomena. And we hope that's going to happen with our company as well. So sorry for the detour, but just going back to where I started the question, what does dark star focus on is there a particular field or a vertical that you focus on uh certainly uh, so i like to call this the uh you know our focus uh, as being the two-stroke engine of, of quantum technology uh the two strokes are basically fundamental principles or, or features you know of, of quantum mechanics uh, quantum physics itself and these are you know quantum randomness uh, which uh, is unique to the quantum realm, uh, you know, created by quantum objects like photons, electrons, etc., uh, in the right circumstances. Uh, this is something that cannot be sourced in what we call the classical world. So, so that is something Dark Star is focused on. Uh, you know, there are several companies already out there in the quantum uh, technology ecosystem who offer this, uh, you know, technology commercially. Uh, our focus in this area is where we can apply them. So, so we're basically looking for killer applications, you can call that, of, of this particular technology. Uh, certainly security, information security is one of them, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, the gaming industry, uh, gambling, right? Uh, kind of harsher word for that uh, is another, right? 
And so the question becomes, how do you kind of, you know, uh, utilize this cleverly and, and create a market edge? So, so that's what Darkstar is focused on there. Uh, the other stroke is, of course, uh, quantum computing, which is based on the features of quantum entanglement uh, in, you know, in quantum physics. And uh, that is something we have big players involved in developing hardware. And our focus is primarily on uh, software plus consulting, uh, so to speak, uh, again, in terms of where we can apply this technology as it appears today uh, commercially. So let's start with the first. So you mentioned the randomness. Is that what's being called random number as a service? Uh, I have not heard that term, but I think that's probably what it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, quantum randomness as a service. Yeah. So it makes perfect sense. So if I'm a customer, I, I pay you a thousand bucks and in return, I get X number of random numbers. Is that the, the business model? Uh, I think the business model uh, certainly can be that, but uh, based on my, uh, you know, um, uh, my experience, uh, probably won't be a very good business model, uh, primarily because several universities offer that service for free. <laughs> you know, you can go to a website and just uh, source that quantum randomness, uh, you know, from, from there for free. Uh, I think the, the business model here is that, you know, as I was saying earlier, what's the killer application, right? So for instance, uh, you know, information security is a killer application, fair enough, you know, and, and people are using it uh, in that context. But what clever, well, you know, besides information security for, for the government, for example, or, or banks, right? Where else can somebody go out and say, I can, you know, create some value uh, out of this thing? Uh, so one thing I, 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 that comes to my mind that Darkstar is focusing on is um, the, 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 you know, trading uh, the market, right? So you could say, you know, if you want to do high frequency trading, for instance, right? Um, because large number of large sums of money are exchanged, uh, you know, in this setting, you want to have really good security, right? Security that people want to actually these days call uh, provable security, right? And security, this is which is actually um, has the capacity to in detect intrusion in real time. And that's something that quantum random number generators, when put together appropriately under the right protocols, uh, can offer, can provide. Understood. And let's switch gears to the second thing, the quantum computing side. I read, uh, I think just today on LinkedIn about some uh, water project, water optimization project. Could you tell me a little bit about that, please? I'll be very happy to, yes, uh, you will. Thank you for raising that. Um, so uh, this kind of goes back to, so this is something Darkstar is, you know, involved in. Uh, I have been involved in this, uh, you know, in my previous incarnation as an academic uh, when I was working in Abu Dhabi. So now Abu Dhabi is in the Middle East. Um, you know, it's part of the Arabian Peninsula. It's, uh, you know, water, fresh water, drinking water is scarce. Now, of course, you know, those countries are quite rich. So what they do is they desalinate uh, water from the Arabian Gulf, right? Um, and, and so that's something they can afford. Now, the, the uh, thing about desalination from, from ocean water um, is that it's expensive and it's actually environmentally very unfriendly. And so, you know, the question becomes, you know, can quantum computing help with that? Now, uh, quantum computing in the proper sense, you know, the ones that we're looking for in the next five to 10 years uh, could actually give great insights into chemistry, you know, to the extent where you can say that, okay, perhaps you can come up with a 
minimum energy regime of some kind that tells us, you know, how to separate molecules of water and salt in a way that's actually environmentally less impactful, right? And certainly less, has a less carbon footprint. So this is something that's, you know, under study. This is something I was studying like five years ago as an academic as well. Uh, it's what I, I was calling, uh, the project was called Quantum Computing the Salt Out of Seawater. <laughs> And uh, so one, one day, hopefully, you know, we, we'll be able to do so. We'll be in a position to do that. But uh, coming back to your question about what you read on LinkedIn, this is something more immediate, actually. This is something we can do today, right? Uh, using the commercially available quantum computing platforms uh, to come to mind immediately, which are, in my opinion, um, quite useful. Uh, one is quantum annealing. The other is digital annealing, which is kind of a, uh, one step lower in some sense than quantum annealing, but in some capacities, it can be better performing. Uh, and this is my opinion based on a couple of projects I was involved in uh, dealing with e each of these technologies, quantum computing technologies. Now, uh, with respect to, you know, water um, crisis, you know, fresh water, drinking water crisis that's uh, already actually happening in the world in many communities. Uh, you know, in a conversation with uh, one of the uh, panel members who will be appearing on this uh, um, talk that we'll have on July 30th, uh, which you saw on LinkedIn advertised. Uh, she is in Tunisia right now, and uh, she was sharing some information about how, you know, certain cities in Tunisia suffer from water shortages. And her, uh, well, her, her observation after talking to, you know, uh, engineers uh, was that most of this is based on mismanagement. It's not so much that, you know, yes, there is a shortage in, in general, you know, you have like 98 inches of rain on average in North Africa spanned over like five different countries of the Sahara Desert. But besides that, it's a matter of like, you know, management and not so much, you know, mismanagement, but uh, suboptimal management constrained by technology, right? What technology we have today for computing, right? How to, you know, supply water back and forth to different communities. And so to this end, uh, what we'll be talking about uh, in, in the near future, which is actually 10 days from now and something we're working on is try to figure out how to model these, you know, water supply chain problems uh, in different parts of the world, given the constraints they still, you know, have around them and see, you know, how quantum computers as they're available commercially today offer an advantage, some kind of an optimization of, of this process of management uh, that can benefit communities, right? There should be uh, hopefully a way to minimize the shortage if not completely eliminated. How large of a quantum computer do you need to do a good enough job in that optimization? I mean, today, quantum computers, a couple of dozen qubits, is that enough or are you sort of banking on the next generation of hardware? Right, so um, the way um, you know quantum computing is available commercially, uh, as I mentioned, there are two, two uh, actually there are three models, three, three hardware models that are available commercially. Uh, two of them I mentioned, uh, one of them was quantum annealing, the other was digital annealing, which is sort of, you know, semi-quantum, uh, one could say not really properly quantum. And the third is, you know, what people call gate-level quantum computing. Now, gate-level quantum computing is actually quite um, basic. Uh, currently, it, it's, it's, you know, it's a very hard thing to do based on, you know, the theory that's, that was developed in the 80s and 90s uh, about how to implement that. And uh, this kind of technology is limited to, say, I think 72 qubits is the last number I remember from Google, I believe. Um, 
uh, I on Q might have a 50 qubit uh, computer like that, you know, that sort of uh, number. On the other hand, quantum annealing, which is uh, primarily offered by D-Wave, which is a Canadian company, they have a 4,000 qubit uh, quantum computer or a quantum processor. Now, you know, that is just having a large number of qubits doesn't immediately mean that, you know, you have better performance. Uh, there are issues with both quantum annealing and uh, gate level quantum computing hardware. Uh, it's just been my experience that, you know, quantum annealing is, is uh, able to tackle the size of the problem better. So a problem like, you know, managing water, you know, water distribution in, in, uh, in places where there's shortages is a pretty substantial size problem. So one imagines uh, that you would be using something like a digital annealer or a quantum annealer for that. So, and that's something we can do today. So, so it's not something that necessarily something that I'm thinking of, you know, 10 years from now, five years from now. Uh, my goal is to say, do it today, you know, with what's available, right? And at least start the process and see what happens. And then the benefits are just less reduce the water waste, get more water to the people that need it, and maybe spend less money on salination. Is that about right? Exactly. I think the primary goal would be to make sure that, uh, uh, you know, I should mention uh, that because of climate change, there are communities, you know, countries, in fact, around the world uh, that are on the brink of, you know, disaster in terms of extinction, if you, if you think about it. My, my favorite example, of course, is Pakistan, where I'm originally from, uh, you know, that has five rivers running through it, and they're all based on the Himalayan glaciers, right, which are predicted to be gone in the next 50 to 100 years. So you're looking at least like, you know, 250 million people 50 years from now will have to leave that part of the world or adapt dramatically. So what kind of a crisis would that create uh, for the whole planet? So with that in mind, I think it's very important to, to sort of uh, look at, as you said, you know, what's the best way to, to you know, optimize the use of water, uh, you know, and um, so far as example, Indonesia, you know, when I was talking to Sahar, the, the panelist I'll be talking to on, on July 30th, she mentioned that, you know, there's a lot of fossil water, as they say, in underneath the sands of, you know, the, the African, uh, North African deserts. And uh, it's, it's really a strategic reserve for these countries. But when they mismanage water distribution as, they, you know, they get water from rainfall, um, people end up drilling into this strategic reserve. And that's just, you know, a, a mismanagement, you know, and a crisis in the making. So going back to your question, uh, yes, these are the things we would like to see mitigated, you know, based on this new technology of quantum computing. Amazing. So if you ever get tired of dark star, maybe green quantum is the new name for the company. <laughs> well, certainly it's, it's a, we'll rename it green dark star, exactly. <laughs> green and dark, very good. Yeah. Um, as you look at your consulting clients and the interest that you're getting from around the world, is there a particular industry, government or supply chain or finance that stands out as uh, with a thirst for, for quantum these days? Right. Um, so, um, you know, here's how I think I should start uh, addressing your question. Um, typically, it's been, you know, my experience when I was growing up uh, as a much younger person right, in the world that, you know, North America was leading pretty much in everything technological, right? And certainly it was the case, you know, back in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and even in this previous decade, right? But my 
understanding today is that, you know, when it comes to quantum technology, North America is quite behind, right? And it would be nice if it actually jumps into this, uh, you know, this quantum game, if you want to call it, uh, early enough to actually set up, set the rules and then kind of, you know, gain an advantage. Uh, now, even though if it's a little bit behind from my point of view, I still have faith in the system because I think once you, you know, galvanize enough, you know, government resources, for example, that happened recently, uh, the Senate passed a $200 billion bill with, I think, uh, $50 billion plus allocated to quantum computing technologies or quantum technologies in general. Uh, so, so certainly there's this, you know, market here where, you know, the, the, the attitude is still, you know, what we like to call the American way of doing things, right? Uh, there's, there's uh, you know, uh, a vision that can be exploited for new technologies. And I think you'll find plenty of investors all across the government segments, as well as, you know, the market, uh, you know, finance, for example. So certainly that's uh, one thing Darkstar is clearly focused on, uh, you know, Department of Defense or, or uh, ideally, if possible, but uh, the defense and space industry in particular is something that we're focusing on. Uh, on the other side, finance comes to mind and, you know, there's a whole area of fintech that's kind of, you know, popular and, and in fact popular because it's practically useful. Uh, so certainly, you know, fintech as it relates to, you know, uh, say, for example, in New York, right? Uh, another place that comes to my mind, having you know lived there for for a decade, uh, is Abu Dhabi, uh, which has recently set up a uh, a fintech regulatory body uh, in Abu Dhabi. It's called Abu Dhabi Global Markets. Um, these are people who had shown expressed interest in quantum technologies at one stage when I was there. Uh, so that's certainly uh, you know an area of of interest, and uh, of course China. Uh, you know, is, is spending a lot of money developing parts of Central Asia, South Asia, uh, even Middle East. You know, they have projects in Iran and uh, the East Coast of Africa. And they're, they're, the project that comes to mind is this mega project, which is, I think, uh, uh, expected to be around $4 trillion in its, uh, you know, ultimate budget that will get spent on it. And it consists of basically uh, creating a supply chain you know, uh, taking Chinese goods, you know, to Africa, to the Middle East in a cheap, you know, and Europe ultimately in a way that's, you know, as cheap as possible. So with a budget like that, right, and, and you have a new emerging technology which has been proven uh, in the lab and even practical use cases have been shown. Uh, and this is, of course, uh, quantum annealing I'm thinking of uh, with respect to quantum computing. Uh, this would be an area which is just, you know, uh, sitting there for like, you know, somebody to go and say, hey, what can we do for you, right? And, and uh, galvanize this you know, community there to, to start allocating funding and creating business values. So if you were uh, advising U.S. policymakers on closing that gap, as you presented, would it be government investment? Would it be setting up additional research? Is it venture capital that's missing or is it entrepreneurship? What do you think is the key to closing that gap that you're describing? Yeah, I'm gonna bring up my favorite historian here. Uh, I think he's, uh, no, I know for a fact he's an Israeli uh, uh, historian. Uh, he's, he has the same name as yours, <laughs> uh, Yuval um, Hariri, Noah Hariri. Uh, perhaps you know of him. And uh, you know, his, his books uh, were quite popular, still are. Uh, there was a series of them. One of them is called Homo Deus, uh, you know, History of Tomorrow. And he talks about how the knowledge economy that you know has been created in several parts of the world today uh, has actually mitigated warfare, 
right? And created opportunity and value to an extent where warfare becomes more expensive than, you know, collaboration and, and peaceful coexistence. And so I think I would tar- start by saying, you know, um, a quantum knowledge economy is needed, right? There's some some investment from the government, some, some um, yeah, I guess the word investment is the right one, uh, where it actually does a lot more uh, compared to what it has done so far in putting money into universities and labs, national labs, to create a, a sense of, you know, um, excitement and, and uh, and, for, and, and provide the information, you know, create informed users and, and uh, human resource, uh, which which can understand what the impact of quantum technology can be, even today, right? It's already happening. Uh, that would be nice. Uh, on the other hand, perhaps uh, the right way to f- proceed is to kind of see if we can bring about, you know, the, the uh, my personal computing revolution, right? Which didn't happen from a government point of view. It was a purely, you know, private investment and entrepreneurship, as you said that produced it and eventually created this, you know, huge uh, economy that we are living in today. Um, this is something actually we, we try to uh, motivate and, and you know, uh, support at Darkstar. Uh, our heroes are Bill Gates and uh, Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs. You know, the idea is to have a, a garage model where we take what's available right now, provide the create, creative thought leadership, put things together in a creative way and create some kind of value. So maybe that's the right way forward. But like many things, perhaps it's a matter of like combining everything, right? And, and sort of seeing, you know, what comes out of it. So um, I suppose I would say, you know, let's do all of it. <laughs> why, why just, you know, limit ourselves? Very good. So uh, Faisal, I, I could keep talking to you for a long time, but I know uh, we have to go. Uh, so for those who want to connect with you and learn more about your work, what's the best way to do so? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, this would be, I guess, my, my email address is probably, you know, uh, where I can be uh, approached uh, most easily. Uh, it is quantumsheikh at gmail.com. Uh, quantum as in Q-U-A-N-T-U-M. And sheikh is an Arabic word. Right? <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, it's spelled S-H-E-I-K-H. So quantum sheikh one word, at gmail.com. Uh, it's the best place to, you know, uh, reach out to me. And please do, you know, uh, everybody's welcome to do so. Excellent. So, Faisal, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you so much, you all, for this opportunity. Pleasure talking to you.